Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast where we talk to people who matter about things that matter in the world of financial services. My name is Rebecca Tomes and I'm the junior editor at IFA Magazine. And joining me on the podcast today is my co-host and IFA Magazine editor, Sue Whitbread. Oh, hi, everybody. It's Sue here. And and today is a really extra special podcast because Bex and I are joined by not one, but two fabulous guests. And in the intro, Bex just said then that we talk to people who matter about things that matter. And I think there's very few topics that matter more than the subject that we're talking about today, uh, which is the ethnicity pay gap. Uh, so let me introduce you to our guests today. We've got uh, Konur Chowdhury, who is Senior Campaigns Officer of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Share Action. And we've also got uh, Lutfa Ali, who is Senior Policy Advisor, Equality, Diversity, Inclusion and Transformation at the CIPD. Uh, really, really glad to welcome both of you. And I'm sure that their job titles tell you a little bit about who they are and what they do. But I'm going to ask them to explain and introduce themselves to you. I'll go first then. Um, yeah, so I'm Kawinor. I'm Senior Campaigns Officer for Diversity and Inclusion at Share Action. And so who is Share Action? Well, we're a charity that promotes responsible investment. Um, we mobilize investors to influence companies they own to address their impacts on people and planet. Um, so we try to drive change in corporate behavior uh, by working with investors. And we do this uh, in three ways. So firstly, we publicly rank the, the largest financial institutions in the world on their policies and practices on um, responsible investments, so on ESG. Um, we then use that as a benchmark, those benchmarks to as a tool to to talk to uh, and engage with investors and financial sector companies on um, how they can improve on those policies and practices. Um, secondly, we uh, we advocate to we work with policymakers and we advocate for better standards in um, sustainable finance. So we aim for regulatory change. So for instance, um, our, uh, one outcome of our work was it led to a change in law on pension schemes to have policies on ESG and stewardship. Mm -hmm. We also work with networks and coalitions of investors uh, to influence corporate behavior on specific themes, um, which at the moment are climate change, biodiversity, public health and good work and I work in the good work team uh, the good work um, program aims to um, encourage investors to support good workforce practices uh, such as living wages um, and diversity equity and inclusion and uh, we coordinate uh, an investor coalition of 47 investors uh, with 3.7 trillion assets under management um, and that consists of asset owners and asset managers. And I lead our ethnicity pay gap campaign, which aims to increase the number of publicly listed companies to voluntarily report their ethnicity pay gap. Thanks, Koenur and Share Action as an organisation. We've always been very much in, uh, in awe of, honestly, in terms of the work that you do. So thank you for summing that up. 
Okay. I am now going to say the same to Lutfa. Lutfa, if you could introduce yourself and the CIPD. Susan, Rebecca, Chloe, wonderful to be here. I'm Lutfa Ali. I'm the Senior Policy Advisor to CIPD on Equality, Diversity, Inclusion and Transformation. Uh, mouthful. Uh, it we'll, is. <laughs> we'll talk about a little bit of that, hopefully, throughout the course of some of the questions uh, that we want to explore today. But what's the CIPD? It's the Chartered Institute for Personnel Development. That's what it stands for. It's the professional body for people, professionals. So the equivalent is if you wanted to be an accountant, you'd join SIPFA or ACCA. So that, that sort of gives you in a, in a, in a yeah. nutshell. Or for our financial exactly. advisors, it would be the exactly. Chartered Insurance Institute exactly. or the exactly. Institute we have a, an investment sort of thing. We, yeah. we have a sort of slightly wider remit in terms of not just sort of professional support services to our members, uh, but also people, managers and employers across uh, the UK and internationally as well. We've got 160,000 members um, across the world, uh, mm -hmm. 100, probably 165. Uh, so our other outputs include policy guidance research around the world of work uh, in order to sort of make the world of work a better place to work for everyone uh, and working lives of people uh, within that. Um, in terms of equality, diversity, inclusion, it's a sort of golden thread that it's front and centre of everything that the CIPD does. You can't talk about people management, people practice without looking at equality, diversity, inclusion issues. It's just central to everything that we do. Uh, so I think that's that's in, in a nutshell what we're about. Some of our research uh, is, is you know, we work with government, we work with other sort of institutions and, and in partnership. Uh, we've got key partnerships with sort of DWP, NHS, um, and the one-handed public sector, and then with like big organisations like Aramco and uh, whatnot internationally in order to, to influence their uh, people. Uh, their practices and improve the sort of uh, welfare of workers within their organisations. Brilliant. So now that we've heard a little bit about Share Action and CIPD, could you tell us a bit about your partnership together? How did that come about? Well, um, well, when we started our ethnicity pay gap campaign, we uh, wanted to ensure that the right voices were, were shaping the campaign. Um, so we formed an advisory committee uh, initially with minority led organizations so people uh, we wanted people who um, have lived experience of racial inequality in the workplace to uh, to shape it so we have organizations like running me trust and reboot uh, but we also wanted technical experts such as the living wage foundation and of course CIPD um, CIPD have produced uh, various guides on racial inclusion in the workplace and they've also uh, produced a, a, tool, a guide for employers on ethnicity pay gap reporting and uh, we're going to be we're promoting that guide um, we are going to be producing an investor toolkit uh, which will be strongly aligned with that guide. That's great Koenor it all sounds really good and we'd be very keen to, to, to look at the guide and the investor toolkit and see if we can get that out there too. Awesome. Yeah. The um, well, CIPD's guide is obviously already out there and our investor toolkit will be published uh, hopefully in April next year. Great. Lovely. OK, um, so uh, look for that takes us over to you quite nicely, I think. I wonder if you could just tell us why the CIPD have been calling for mandatory ethnicity pay gap reporting. 
Well, I think we need to sort of understand why it's important to do ethnicity pay gap reporting. In its simplest sense, it's the pay differential between black and ethnic minority workers mm -hmm. and white workers. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very, very important that people sort of understand that that's, if there is a difference, that's unfair and unjust. Yeah. And if some of the reasons leading to that difference is as a consequence of discrimination, well, that's unlawful. Mm -hmm. uh, and that needs to be addressed. So in its basic and most simplest sense, that's why we've got this sort of a mandate. Well, for us, we're calling for a mandatory response from organizations and employers to publish their data uh, mm -hmm. around this. And by publishing the data, it forces them to look at what the inequalities are, what the issues and challenges are in their organization and to, to be able to do something about it. Um, and going back to you again, Chloe Moore, could you tell us a bit about why the Share Action campaign on ethnicity pay gap reporting was launched? Yeah, sure. So, well, with gender pay gap reporting, that was made mandatory in 2017, yet there's no equivalent legislation, as first just mentioned, on monitoring pay disparities on the grounds of race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. um, and as, uh, you know, uh, Lutfer has mentioned, uh, ethnicity pay gap reporting is critical in identifying uh, and tackling racial inequality in the workplace. However, only a tiny fraction of FTSE 100 companies are reporting their ethnicity pay gap. Now, Share Action's goal, one of our goals, is to have an investment system that is diverse and inclusive at all levels. And we believe that's really important because it needs to reflect the society it serves. Currently, it's it's just predominantly white and, and male. So um, we felt that uh, if, if it is reflecting the society it serves, it's more likely to drive corporate behavior change are you know positively um now given uh the murder of george floyd the black lives matter movement and of course the the huge disproportionate impact of covid-19 on the lives of ethnic minorities we felt we really need to um seize this moment to encourage leadership amongst companies and investors uh, and, 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 and report voluntarily. And this should hopefully ultimately um, uh, show uh, leadership from the government. So ultimately, our campaign is to make it mandatory. That's so great to hear. And as you mentioned with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, I feel like these big news stories come in and everyone's really affected and it's really horrible but unfortunately sometimes then as the news changes it goes out of everyone's the forefront of their mind essentially so it's really great yeah. that you guys are reminding us and telling investors and acting companies we need to help we need to do something to exactly. tackle this problem yeah yes, yeah exactly uh, that the campaign is really to be applauded Kona, I must say and it just shows also that the world of investment and financial services are, are, are certainly not excluded from this. You know, we mm. really at the hub of it need to make change. Yeah. So it, it's been it's really good that you're getting out there and actually leading the way on such an important thing. Um, I wonder if you could explain to listeners what the campaign goals actually are. And yeah. I'm also interested to hear what the, the success has been like so far. How's, how's it been going? 
So uh, our campaign goal, our overarching goal is that we want investors and the companies they invest in to report their ethnicity pay gap and uh, develop strategies to address that gap um, to ultimately create inclusive and equitable workplaces. Um, and so underneath that, we have three goals. So firstly, uh, around civil society. So we want to empower minority workers and minority-led organizations to have access to engage with our um, networks of investors and companies, because th there is a disconnect. There's, you know, so many, um, there are racial uh, equality organizations that are demanding this, but they don't have that access, that voice to investors and companies. So we want to sort of bridge that gap. Secondly, we want to uh, work with investors. So we want to mobilize investors to, to actively engage with businesses and policymakers on ethnicity pay gap reporting. And then finally, with policymakers. So we want, um, we want policymakers to understand that ethnicity pay gap reporting is doable. It is something that they can, that companies can achieve. Um, so ultimately, they do make it mandatory. I joined in February and uh, by March, we'd formed an advisory committee. Uh, we trained um, uh, minority workers to ask AGM questions. And we asked uh, 16 questions uh, at FTSE 100 financial sector companies. Uh, we've had 11 follow-up meetings uh, to date and all were really engaged um, and the the barriers that they were uh, mentioning i felt that well six of those companies um have reported their ethnicity pay gap so i thought it'd be really interesting to uh get these companies to to in one room and listen to each other and speak to each other so running me trust facilitated a focus group discussion with these companies to to engage and network and learn from each other and the outcome of that discussion is going to be um, in our toolkit so that, you know, to share best practice. Um, we've also presented at a CIO roundtable. Uh, this was held by Reboot and Diversity Project and State Street. And the report of which will be um, uh, shared with the Investment Association. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. So obviously you mentioned a moment ago that companies are given the opportunity to kind of highlight the main barriers that they're facing in regards to ethnicity pay gap reporting. So do you, you could expand on that and kind of touch upon the main barriers that you're seeing? Yeah, of course. So the, the biggest barrier is the availability of um, employee data on ethnicity because that isn't compulsory. So that's a voluntary basis that people, staff members share their employee data. Um, so that, so given that people aren't sharing that, companies are saying, well, how are we going to calculate the ethnicity pay gap? However, there are many ways to increase that self-disclosure rate. Um, one of the main ways we're hearing is by not just simply focusing on ethnicity and gender, but um, asking more holistic questions. So asking questions on caring responsibilities, um, menopause, age, um, 
uh, LGBTQ issues, faith. So that way it is more inclusive. And so people being asked that question, they feel they're being represented. And that really seems to drive up self-disclosure rates. Um, uh, but another one is that some people are saying, some companies are saying that they are all aiming for an 80% disclosure rate before they begin to report. Yet there are companies that started reporting at a 70% disclosure rate. And, and that was fine because once you start, then you, you get better. So uh, Aviva, for instance, they uh, disclosed at 72. Then uh, the following year, their disclosure rate was 81. And now it's, mm -hmm. I heard it's, I think it's 90 or just over 90%. So yeah, it's about just get started on the journey and you'll improve. Um, another reason I've been given is uh, that, so given that the government didn't make it mandatory, they said that they were going to publish a voluntary um, guidelines on voluntary reporting, and the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy were due to have done that in the summer. And they, I'm guessing because of all the political turmoil, they've not been able to, to do that. It's not been a priority. And so I would strongly urge the government to, to publish that, given that there are companies waiting for the guidelines, because they want, they want to be able to report in a consistent manner. That's, that seems to be something that they really seem to ask, um, which is great. So I really would recommend the government, I strongly urge the government to do that. But like I mentioned, six FTSE 100 companies are already, financial sector companies that is, are already mm. reporting it. So it shouldn't be a hindrance. Mm. That's good to hear. Companies are a bit hesitant about reporting their ethnicity pay gap because they're worried about the reputation that they might get, um, particularly mm. after what happened with gender pay gap reporting and the BBC. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, so they're really worried, you know, oh, how they're going to look. Uh, and so we're saying, well, actually, we, we've learned from that. And what the CIPD is suggesting is that you don't just report your ethnicity pay gap. You also provide um, a narrative explaining the context behind that gap and then an action plan to, to address that. And so that should then allay those fears on damaging reputations. And also if they then every year measure the difference and what happened with their actions, it could actually benefit the company because it will show that they're tracking progress and that will attract more talent. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. The way you've described it there, it's just getting started and, and not putting obstacles in the way. And then exactly win-win at the end of the day, it should yeah. benefit the company as well as the individuals involved. So... So yeah. well done, you guys. Um, makes me think then, what's, where do we go from here? What's, what's the, what are the next steps for the campaign? And I wonder also if I could ask both uh, Konoor and Bipfer, what can we expect next then from Share Action and from the CIPD in the months and years to come? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about um, some of the, expand some of these sort of ideas that sort of Konoor's laid out in terms of why it's quite challenging for organizations to um uh you know collect data and then publish data as well mm -hmm. and one of the areas is about the lack of trust that already black and minority ethnic staff have in their organizations and it's really important that um 
you know, the, the, the fear factor or the image factor component that is concerning employers and, and organizations around that. If you if you if, if they look at the future of trends of working patterns and people um, uh, recruitment practices, there's a war for talent out there at the moment. Uh, now, mm -hmm. if you want to attract the best people and retain the best people in your organizations, you can't just bury your head in the sand and think that this problem's going to go away. Mm -hmm. It's not. Yeah. And your pay gap. People are now choosing which organizations have the appropriate culture. You know, are they going to be respected? Are they going to be valued? Are they going to be treated, you know, in a way that they can progress in the organization mm -hmm. without barriers and, you know, discrimination? All of those things are in, at the forefront of people's minds when they're looking who to work for. And if they then find that working in an organization that they're not pay, pay, being paid fairly, then obviously yeah. they're going to walk. Uh, that's yeah. just one indication. Cool. Uh, but of course, if the culture of the organization is one that actually perpetuates barriers and discrimination prejudice, that's an even bigger branding problem for that organization. Yeah. And that's what also needs to be recognized. So burying it head in, what, in, in the sand isn't an answer. You deal, you know, if you're a responsible, mature organization, you deal with the issues and challenges like any other change issue. Now, there shouldn't be a big you know, a barrier in terms of data collection. Most organizations, especially if you're a financial services organization, yeah. your life is dependent on your organization, is dependent on data. Now, if your workforce data is taking taken a, a lesser importance of being you know, treated as a you know, tertiary or you know, secondary issue, well, mm -hmm. your workforce is the thing that's actually generating the revenue your organization depends on. So therefore, that's very, very important. And that's what exactly what the CIPD and Share Action, you know, uh, campaign is all about, is making sure that the people in your organization are treated in the best possible way so that they can, you know, their productivity, their performance can be the best. Now, pay gap issue is, is a significant component in contributing to that. In relation to um, where we go from here, uh, 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 both in terms of the campaign, you know, six is a good number in terms of organizations mm -hmm. reporting voluntarily. Um, but if you look at the way in which the Black Lives Movement and the hash, Me Too hashtag movement emerged, it didn't come from government. It mm -hmm. came from society, it came from people. Yeah. And yeah. that led to some of the changes and some of the initiatives. And actually, it was a lot of the business sectors, the corporate sector that actually led those some of those campaigns and the changes in their organizations. Now, it may have been initially a knee-jerk reaction, but the question is, how sustainable are some of the practices? And I've seen a plethora of jobs being advertised out there around equality, diversity, equity, belonging, whatnot, you know, mm -hmm. that people are trying to recruit to, to, to make interventions in this area. But I'm just hopeful that this is going to be sustainable, that, that people are really serious. They can see the real business benefits as a consequence mm -hmm. of recruiting specialists in this area. But what's really crucial in this is for people to sort of look at this as a massive opportunity to ensure that the that they begin to realize the great benefits that equality diversity can bring to their organizations in terms of productivity in terms of workforce well-being in terms of performance and so on and that's what's at the heart of all of this and organizations need to see ethnicity pay gap reporting as part of a broader equality diversity inclusion or equity inclusion diversity uh, strategies that they have and not just you know uh, 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 yes. it's, it's an initi initiative it's a tool as part of wider campaigns to make sure that the organization is truly inclusive and the culture is one that's attractive to both customers 
and employees. Definitely. I, I really agree with what you just said there. Not only is it just the right thing to do and people should be treated fairly 100%, but I think you're right. It, it really benefits the company, doesn't it? Because if people aren't feeling comfortable in their workplace, they're not going to perform well. Or like you said, they're, they're going to leave because they're not feeling valued or supported or even treated correctly. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was going to say the, the series of McKinsey reports that talks about how diversity, equity, inclusion in a company is positively correlated with um, performance and, and productivity. Uh, and also recently um, I uh, heard about a research done in um, America where ethnicity disclosure is mandatory and they have uh, this piece of research has again seen a positive correlation between greater representation and um, performance of a company right yes yeah, so for my next steps yeah. um yeah are holding uh, an investor type of webinar uh, where um, Diane Grayson, who's um, uh, leads the hashtag ethnicity pay gap campaign, she's going to be facilitating it um, as a, a, an introduction to ethnicity pay gap reporting to investors. Um, she's won lots of awards and she's been in the media quite a bit and, and due to her campaigning efforts, um, Ethnicity Pay Gap Day uh, uh, was launched, and that's on 8th of January. Um, we are, it's a three-year campaign to begin with. Um, we are targeting, uh, so as I mentioned, it's financial sector. We started with that, but next year we're going to be adding uh, low-wage sectors with a disproportionate number of minority workers right. with poor wages and poor working conditions. Um, and Runnymede Trust helped uh, provide uh, the research to, to identify the target sectors and, and companies. So we are going to be focusing on food processing, food manufacturing, hospitality and catering. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to be producing an investor toolkit to support investors to engage with those companies. And we are also going to be producing next year uh, a policy brief um, to, uh, to talk about that toolkit to influence uh, policymakers. Um, so, yeah, that's what's next. So wrapping up now, then, we always like to end our podcast with one final question that our listeners will be very familiar with now. And that is. <laughs> If you had the power to change one thing in the financial services sector today, what would it be? I'd like to see something being monitored. So first of all, something being agreed collectively and then it being monitored because, you know, if there's greater transparency, there's more accountability. Um, yeah, because, I mean, if you look at the Modern Slavery Act, um, it's a lot of people, a lot of companies don't complete their staking it. So, yeah. The more we're talking about it as we are today, then the greater the chance of, of success being brought about, I guess. And, and I'm going to throw the same question over at you now, Lukfa. Well, uh, we, we work with all organisations, including the financial services organisations. So, I mean, ours is one of partnership and collaborative working and where necessary, we put pressure and campaign, you know, campaign with Share Action and, and yeah, others. Cool. So one of the campaigns is to try and influence the government to sort of the make mandatory ethnicity pay gap reporting and we're pushing for that we thought it was a lost opportunity with cred the commission on race equality disparity commission that they didn't they, it was a fantastic opportunity that they could have made that recommendation and that i suspect provided a little bit of license for the government not to proceed forward with making ethnicity pay gap reporting mandatory 
it's essential it becomes mandatory. We saw that with yeah. gender pay gap reporting yeah. and the difference that that made. So that's the first point. And I think very much like though, you know, that the financial service industry should not wait for the government to come up with you know mandatory guidance or whatever. You know, on the one hand, the government saying they're going to be producing guidance. So why produce guidance if you're not going to make it mandatory? Yeah. That's just you know, you know, trying to sort of uh, you know enjoy both worlds and you're not going to have it. You, yeah. choose, you choose one or the other. But that's the thing. We we need to sort of put pressure on, and organisations need to come voluntarily. We've got six. That's great. It's a great building block. But you know, we need everybody to try and. I mean, if you take the uh, the legal industry, for instance, a significant number of legal organisations and businesses report ethnicity mm -hmm. voluntarily. So they're taking it upon themselves, even though it's making even though that it's making them look bad, because in some instances, about twenty five percent, thirty percent pay gap in the industry. Well. They want to do something about it. And the same self-responsibility is vital in terms of an ethical, morally-led approach. I would also urge uh, and, and uh, point to the Financial Conduct Authority to take some responsibility in this area uh, in terms of the regulatory practices. We don't, yeah. we don't talk about it, but they have influence and they should make it in, you know, uh, one of the elements that they measure and monitor organizations yeah. around in terms of equalities data and inequality in, in disparities and discrimination taking place in organizations. And if that's the case, it's a different angle to approach the same problem with approach. So those are the sort of couple of areas that I focus mm. on. Well, um, I think the work that you guys are doing will take us closer to achieving those lofty goals that you've just mentioned there. And I sincerely hope that that's what happens and that it happens soon. And I think to wrap up today, then we just have to say a big thank you to Kohinoor and to look for, for joining us today. And sharing that powerful work that's going on. Uh, we really do wish you all the best with the campaign uh, and highlighting the benefits of that broader equity and inclusion culture that you've talked about so eloquently today. And yeah. uh, in financial services, isn't it, Bex? We talk about ESG all the time. Yeah. Uh, but what you've highlighted there today puts, I think, real emphasis on actions and outcomes that affect so many people. Uh, but also affect businesses and their success yeah. and profitability. So it really is win-win. So yeah. please, if there's anything we can do here at IFA Magazine to help raise awareness of this, uh, help bring about this much-needed change, then we'd be only too pleased to do so. Uh, thanks, Sue. And I'd just like to add to the listeners out there, if you're investors, please, please, please encourage the companies that you're investing in to start reporting their ethnicity pay gap. Thank you. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary legal advice should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. And value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.